thinking this morning, uh, Maggie might have to confirm this for me, but I think that this is the first Mother's Day where we've had double moms, right? It's the first time we've ever celebrated both our moms together. So uh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> but, uh, and happy Mother's Day again. Um, I will tell you as I begin this message, it's uh, with a little bit of fear and trepidation. <laughs> this is the first Mother's Day message I've ever done. And uh, as, just, as an associate pastor, you, you know, you don't, you don't get called up to do that, you know. And uh, uh, it's, it's going to be fun. But anyway, <laughs> it's like you telling myself, no. <laughs> but what can we say about our moms? I really believe that there is a parallel that we can appreciate this morning. We can never completely show our gratitude to God for allowing us to be his child. For the ultimate sacrifice he made for us and for all, frankly, of the junk that he patiently uh, uh, puts up with as we grow in our character in Christ. And although it's not the same scope, we can certainly relate uh, this in kind uh, to, to how we can never adequately thank our moms. Uh, they, they make sacrifices, they do things for us, and they put up with a lot. I know my mom did from my two brothers. <laughs> yes. Anyway, <laughs> you're not going to believe me. That just popped in my head, and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to do that. Anyway. <laughs> uh, now, as we approach our study, <laughs> I have to admit that I have sometimes been secretly critical of some of the um, uh, Mother's Day messages that I've heard, not harshly, but, but you know, I would estimate that about 85% of them were uh, Bible characters who could not have children. And then the rest of them came from the passage that I read, Proverbs 31. Then I'm preparing for this message. By the way, those are all excellent choices. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like, but that tended to be, in my experience, no matter where we were, even on vacation or whatever, that tended to be what was delivered. Then I realized there are very, very few narratives. There are very few things in the scriptures that you can draw from apart from those. Um, Or at least not ones that have positive uh, (laughs) things to say about moms. No offense, ladies, guys, we've got it too, but you know, the scriptures kind of lay out some negative things as well. And so I kind of changed my thoughts on that. and thought, you know, I, I can appreciate, um, and, and actually I've always appreciated the pastor who gets up year after year, you know, what do I say on Mother's Day? You know, I, I mean, we would be in staff meeting at times in my former ministry, and, you know, I, I just, you know, you want to make it different, you want to make it fresh. Well, for me, it's like my first time out, so, you know, we're, we're, we're good. So I want to pursue this message, and as I said, it's kind of with fear and trembling, partly because I have obviously extremely limited knowledge on what moms go through, and certainly don't want to pretend to try to fully relate to you. I I do have a mother, okay, so I can relate that far. But the other thing is, is that momhood is just a huge job, and there's no way that we're going to even touch on uh, most of what 
we are, you know, of, of what mothering is all about. So uh, as we just kind of think through that, our primary focus will be on mothers and our relationship to our mothers. But we can all learn from and apply the principles that we're going to be covering. So I want to just say that in advance. Take what you can from this, even if you don't qualify today as a mom. And there's several of us here that don't and won't ever. So uh, as we begin, let me just share a couple of quotes with you. Mothering is the gospel lived out as you hold your child's heart in beauty, prayer, and patience. It's not the big decisions, but the little ones trusting God through it all. Uh, that was an excellent quote. And then... The next quote that we have is from C.S. Lewis. And uh, I actually, I wasn't going to put these on the screen, but I thought this one's pretty deep and you might want to be able to look at it while I'm reading it. The homemaker has the ultimate career. All other careers exist for one purpose only, and that is to support the ultimate career. Wow. Wow. I mean, if you think about that, ultimately, we're supporting moms to be moms for the next generation. If there's no more generations to come, <laughs> there isn't going to be much done. That's really what it's all about. So I thought that was an excellent quote there. So as we move forward, I want to look to our first point, which is godly mothers forgive. And again, we're just going to look at a few high points that I want to, I want to kind of look at through through. Uh, uh, the heart of a mom. And as I do this, uh, I also want us to understand that it's going to be highly applicational. Like I say, there aren't a lot of texts regarding this. But godly moms and grandmoms, by the way, when I say moms, I'm not going to say moms and grandmoms over and over again. That's going to be just too much. You're included. Godly moms and grandmoms don't hold the offenses and shortcomings of their children against them. As we look at the scriptures here, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. I think that an important rule that we need to have with all of scripture is that it needs to be practiced first in the home. And, and that's the toughest place to do it, frankly. You know, we're, that's where we're just the most raw and real and, and, and you know, transparent in who we are. And so as you think about that, forgiveness really does need to start at home. And as we're talking to moms, it needs to start there. Paul understood that the Lord is always the standard for how we live. Moms endure a lot. Some moms in this room may have had to absorb, frankly, some terrible offenses from their children. But I want to encourage you, forgive as God forgives. Wiping the slate clean doesn't equal being a doormat. We should still establish boundaries and rules regardless of the age of our children, especially when there is a pattern of behavior that isn't good. But at the same time, we forgive as Christ forgave. Amen. Now, I may have said this before, but I'm not a big fan of the term forgive yourself. Um, there are too many possibilities for it to be used in an unhealthy, unbiblical way. However, I do think there is merit in a mom, and I'll even say parents, to go, to go, I'm sorry, to let go of the past, to let go and to get over your past. 
Let me go back to where we started and say that forgiveness is both a requirement and a gift. So moms, I want to encourage you, forgive as a gracious gift to your kids. It's going to help in your relationships. And for, again, like I say, for some of you, I understand that may be a tall order. But I also want to say that I think that moms are an example of forgiveness. <laughs> so many times they do that and they just continue to love and they don't hold those things against us. But godly moms forgive. Godly mothers also love. And I know when we think of that, it's like, well, of, of course they do, right? Of course they love. I want us to look at a passage here. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. In our context, the church is just beginning, and in many cultures, the value of life, including of children, was much lower than how we value things today. So these instructions were badly needed at the time. We talk about context, right? Context is very important. So this context here was when everything was being established, and, you know, things just weren't how we like to see them today and how many of you probably view your kids. But even today, our society pushes selfishness. And there's a particular target currently, and that's women. I recently heard a commercial, and I mean very recently. And here's how it went. And I'm not going to tell you the whole thing, but I have been told that being a mother is a full-time job, but I already have one of those. Do you hear it? Yeah. Now, if that pitch, pitch successfully sells a product, a, a service in this case, then it's because some have bought into the lie that the pursuit of a personal career is more important than sacrificially nurturing a child to adulthood. Now, I want to carefully say what I didn't say, and that is a mother has a, uh, if a mother has a career that they're being selfish. It is when the career harms or replaces motherhood that we have a problem. Every family has both the freedom and responsibility to determine their course before God. We all see in our society that there has been a growing problem of abuse, neglect, abandonment, and even violence against children by their mothers. So maybe these words are needed just as much today as they were needed centuries ago. What we need are moms to love their kids. So, so what is the takeaway here for our moms? And I just said it. Moms, lo love your children. When your children's actions and attitudes make it hard to love them, love your children. When they are mannerless, helpless, thankless, shiftless, and even mindless, <laughs> love your children. When they break things, fight, are stubborn, argue, make a mess, fight, won't do their homework, and tease each other, love them and expect them to love one another. 
Maggie remembers a saying, and I don't know that I have this just right. A saying from her mom for Maggie and her sister, sisters and brother. And it went like this. You're not going to go out and be apple pie sweet with your friends if you can't be apple pie sweet to each other. Remember, what we do matters first at home. Now, love has two aspects. It has many aspects, but two I'm going to highlight. The first is an emotional setting of your heart, moms, that flows out to your children. It's having this switch defaulted to love. I remember hearing a story of two boys talking, and one had gotten himself into a little bit of trouble. The other boy asked him if his mom loved him, and his response was, Oh, she loves me. She doesn't like me very much right now, but she loves me. I can honestly say I don't ever remember questioning my mom's love. I remember wondering if I would survive a day, but I don't remember questioning my mom's love. The second is the spiritual quality that results in action that motivates all that you do for your children. Children need, they hunger for, and thrive in a family culture of love. And folks, that's where moms come in. We need you. You are the ones that express that better than anyone else. And so I just want to encourage you to just have that heart set on loving your children, loving your family, and then also demonstrating it, even though it can be very, very difficult. The other thing that we see about godly moms is that they grow. People can grow in skills and education, etc., but our focus here is on spiritual growth. 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. And so we even see here an incentive for that, right? Of glorifying God. Applying this verse to moms can bring out a dual reaction. One is probably acknowledging that personal spiritual growth is important, even a heartfelt agreement and desire to be more like Jesus Christ. Another reaction might be, that'd be really nice, buddy, but how about you take a look at my schedule and show me how to fit that into my busy life. Show me how I can fit spiritual growth into my life. Moms, I would like to appeal to you with what is both an encouragement and a challenge. And that's really what I've tried to do through this message so far, to encourage you, but also to challenge you. First, taking time for your own emotional, physical, and yes, even spiritual well-being is more than just a nice idea. I really believe that it's essential. I understand there are times when life makes it near to impossible, but feeding your soul should have a high priority. Second, be the resourceful, creative person that you are. In their own way, all moms are extremely resourceful, creative folks. And so I want to encourage you, anticipate opportunities that God gives you. Be ready for them. Redeem those windows of time regardless of how small. And I just want to say, Please don't throw any rotten tomatoes at me right now. But when your kids are old enough, train them. I would even encourage you, set a timer for whatever they can handle. Expect them to respect your time. Chances are 
I can't promise no one's going to die, right? Like, you can leave them alone for a certain period of time and have your time. Like I say, I understand there are ages and situations. But third, I want to encourage moms to connect with one another. As we even looked at that passage, I would even encourage you to connect with moms who might be more experienced than you. There's, some, there's something about anybody that has a common interest or a common responsibility or job or whatever it might be in getting together. And so moms, as, as you kind of, you know, talk back and forth with one another, there might be some ways that, that you can help one another to find those creative ways to build into your own life. Now, I'm not leaving all this responsibility to moms because there's a fourth point, which is families, especially husbands, need to help make this possible. So dads, children, I want to encourage you. Help mom to have some time to herself. It doesn't always have to be about us. She needs to be with the Lord she needs to be able to pray for you. She needs to be able to pray for others. She needs to be able to feed her own soul. Being a mom is tough. Again, I have only observed that and contributed to that. It's a demanding job, so make sure that you are letting God take care of you too. All of us need to grow. And if we look at Scripture, it's clear that all of us are supposed to help one another grow. So again, as a family... Please consider that. If we are working toward being like Christ, if we are working toward that goal, then what flows from us, including our momming, will tend to be Christ-like, right? And so moms, continue to grow. We need you. Then the last point is godly mother's disciple. What we practice at home will have a lasting impact. And I think this is really what is so vital and, and what's, what's most important. Once you have done your job, and, and again, I think parents, you can all understand this, they're going to make choices. They're going to do what, what they want to do. But to the best of your ability, build into them. Um, first, there is this idea of discipling the next generation. And we saw a glimpse of that as we looked at uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. I'm just going to read it again. Older women admonish the young women uh, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, good um, obedient in their own, sorry, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Older women should proactively connect with younger women. I've told the younger women today, connect with someone older that has some experience. Older moms, you can do the same thing, and apparently here should. Now, the word admonish here means to teach or to train. I think there's a, an element of an encouragement that we need to uh, uh, expect here and desire, not necessarily an element of criticism. And so 
as you have the experience that God has given to you, and as maybe you connect with somebody, it's not, I don't think, a time where you get together and say, you know what, I've, I've noticed you need a little help with your parenting. Let me encourage you. Now, that's, that's not really what we're talking about. What we're talking about is developing a relationship so that you have that forum to be able to ask how they're doing. And it's not as much as, let me try to give you all the advice that I have, but to, to share some of your struggles and to share some of your successes and those different things and to even answer some of those questions as they come up. But I understand that's going to take time. Discipleship takes time. But there's another aspect of it, and that's where moms are to disciple their children. I think we have a good example in this in Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, this is Paul talking to Timothy, saying, I'm, re I'm reminded of this genuine faith that you have, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it is also in you. Now, hold that thought for just a minute as we look to the next passage, 2 Timothy 3.15. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy had this invested in him from his childhood. We're going to talk more about this in just a minute, but just one more passage here. Please go back to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, I'll read for you verses 1 through 5. So we've talked about moms discipling moms, and now we're talking about moms being disciplers in their home. As you have turned to Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 5, let me read that for you. It says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to, to have him go on, on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Let me just add here, but he, his mother was a Jew. Okay, And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in, in the faith and increased in number daily. I think if we were to just take a look at the three verses that we just saw, that we just read through, and kind of encapsulate those, Paul found Timothy ministry ready. As commentator Harold Mayer put it, Timothy had been given through his grandmother and mother an excellent training in the Old Testament scriptures and in the claims of Jesus as Messiah. Thus he was well prepared for the work that Paul had for him. Not too long after the things that we just read here, Paul appointed him an elder. He became a pastor. Now, our focus isn't on Timothy, but at the same time, we need to take a look and see how was Timothy developed. And so what we see here is a Jewish grandmother and mother who at some point, faithful Jews, received Christ as their Savior. They had already built into Timothy the truths of the scriptures that they had, which 
didn't get added to, you know, for a little while, right? Which is the Old Testament. And then they began to talk with him about the Messiah. He had a Greek dad. We don't know exactly how all of this worked out, but here's, here's what we understand. They were able to teach their son and their grandson. But they weren't able to have him circumcised, which was a Jewish rite. So there were some limits on this mom and grandma. And so part of the reason why I want to bring that out is, even though you might have some limitations, I just want to encourage you, do what you can. Invest how and when and where you can in your children's lives. Mothers, you have an amazing opportunity to instill the truth of the scriptures and the glorious gospel of Christ in your children. So to the best of your ability, I want to ask you, will your children leave your home ministry ready? Now, I understand that chances are you have somebody else who's got some responsibility here too, so I'm not laying it all on you. But I still want to ask that question. Grandmoms, have you done all that you can to help your grandkids be ministry ready? Now, I want to be clear about this. I'm not saying that they will leave the nest and immediately become a missionary. Okay, but will they have a mind prepared to serve and a heart directed toward loving the Lord? You see, that's really success, success in Christ. There's a lot of things that we can fill our children's time with. There's a lot of things that we can allow them to fill their own time with. Good things. But if they leave to go out into the world and they're not ready for that world that they're approaching, that's going to be a problem. Could be. So I just want to encourage you as a godly mom, as a godly grandmom, work toward your children being ready to serve Christ. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that they have to wait until they move their tassel, right? They can start now. They can assist you in some things you might be doing for others. The older can help the younger and so on and so forth. But there are ways that they can serve. There are things that they need to know. Very important things that actually only you can share. And let's face it, Mom, you have some tremendous credibility. Earned <laughs> credibility that you can turn around and invest in your kids. So as we conclude our time, some might ask, when does this motherhood end? Right? I mean, you know, you're talking about all these responsibilities, and I've seen some of you shake your head already, and so my question back would be, are you still breathing? <laughs> I mean, come on, that's the reality. It doesn't end. Some might even say, but I haven't been the mom I should have been in some of these areas that we talked about or in this or that part of life. And so I just have two responses for you as we make application. The first one is, and again, this, this is something that all of us can carry out or carry away from this, but the first one is who has? 
Who has been the perfect parent or the flawless follower of Christ? And I think that there is this tendency, particularly with moms, because you are so directly involved with all that your children do to become overwhelmed, to have those challenges really become almost insurmountable at times. But let's put that aside for a minute. And I want you to think of the second thing. The second thing is this. Okay, let's just say, let's just say that even this morning, you just blew it, right? It could have happened. I set your clothes out. Now they're filthy. You know what I mean? And now we got to find something else, you know. What, what, fill in the blank, right? And again, this is something we can all apply. Start now. Start now. I'm talking about all of us, as I said, but focusing on our wonderful moms, we let our discouragements of the past and our imaginations of the future overwhelm us. We carry the impossible baggage of what we can no longer change and what we cannot fully control. The past and the future become a vice that squeezes out what God wants, us to, what God wants to do in us in the present. Moms in particular, don't let that happen. Somehow we have to keep the past at bay and we can't be overwhelmed with the future. And, and by the way, I've seen some of your mom's schedules, right? I've heard some of the things you have going on. You know, you got to plan ahead. I don't mean that. But don't let it miss out on your present, on what Christ is doing in your life right now. I mentioned I was going to talk to Moms, but I was also going to talk to families. Kids, regardless of your age, I want to speak to you too. Today, you're going to honor your moms in different ways. And whatever your family tradition is, wherever you might have planned today, or maybe you have already done some of that. I know that sometimes I, I'm not going to speak for my brothers. I think we all felt the same way, but, you know, it's Mother's Day, right? You know, we didn't. We tried not to fight as much, you know, tried to, tried to you know, be, be better, you know, on Mother's Day because it's Mother's Day. But how much better will your mother's life be if you honor your mother every day? By the way, God commanded you to do that already. <laughs> so this should not be new uh, news for you. But think about it. You know, there, there is, there's something to be said about Children, and I will also say dads, husbands, doing what we can do, doing what we should do to make life easier for mom. That's the loving thing to do. That's the honoring thing to do. So I understand that there's a certain point in age when, you know, kids can't do certain things, but everybody in this room is probably capable. Pick up your clothes. Clean up your messes. Help around the house. Respect and obey your mother. You say, yeah, she's been telling me that for years. Well, let it get through. Recognize her hard work and sacrifices and be thankful. And I don't mean just have this feeling of gratitude in your heart, right? Scriptures tell us that love that is not expressed 
really isn't love. I mean to regularly have it come out of your mouth. Thank you. I love you. Give her a hug. Tell her what you appreciate and love about her. Now you might be saying to yourself, I already do that. Fantastic. Keep doing it. Keep doing it for the rest of your life. By the way, if you have younger brothers and sisters, by doing this you will teach your younger brothers and sisters how to respect and obey your mother. You have an opportunity to help them to grow as well. I also think that older children in the home can actively encourage, not bully, your younger brothers and sisters to do the things that we've talked about. Be a part of the positive process. Hey, pick up your, your uh, clothes. Of course, you need to have your clothes picked up first, right? Dads, I want to encourage you. Again, have that mindset of how you can contribute. I know that we have different roles and we have different responsibilities, but sometimes we keep things too tight. And there are times when I'm sure you're responding well. Again, I never assume here that none of this is taking place. But I just want to encourage you. We want to support our moms. They've got a phenomenal job. Today, we're honoring them. Today, we're encouraging them. Today, we're even challenging them. But today and every day, we need to support them. We really do. I want to leave you with a loose interpretation of a lengthy quote from a theologian named G.K. Chesterton. The reason why I paraphrase this a bit is because he used some things in his time that none of us would understand or characters involved, things like that. So I, I paraphrase this, but it's so good. It says, children need to be introduced to a huge, complicated world. If anyone were, were to refer to this task of general enlightenment of children as overwhelmingly difficult and oppressive... I can understand their viewpoint. For millennia, mankind has seen fit to place this burden primarily upon mothers. However, when homemaking is referred to as menial labor, it has a double meaning. If one means that motherhood is extremely hard, then I agree. If one means that motherhood is trivial and meaningless compared to other pursuits, then I cannot agree. And by the way, this was a long time ago that he wrote this. That description is lost on me. A mother acts as a lawyer, judge, and jury in relation to house rules, justice, property rights, and sibling disputes. A mother is a philosopher and counselor as, as the child faces situations of life, emotions, relationships, morality, and ethics. A mother is a manager of the everyday business of the household. She also generally provides the necessities and relative luxuries of the home, including food and meals, clothing, toys, activities, and experiences. A mother is an educator, instructing in basic economics, math, science, literature, art, etc. A mother is a theologian, explaining the essentials of who God is, of the integrity of Scripture and of sin and salvation. These may be exhausting, but they are not a waste of time, energy, or talent. A woman's function as a mother is laborious, because it is gigantic, not because it is minute. 
I will pity Mrs. Jones for the hugeness of her task. I will never pity her for its smallness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are blessed in this church to have some wonderful moms. Those are some footprints I will never walk in. But there's some footprints that are extremely special to me. I thank you, Lord, for the moms in my life. I thank you, Lord, for, again, the mothers that we have represented here in our church. And I pray, Lord, that you would just encourage them today in what is a very difficult task. And, and dare we even say, Lord, as we, as we speak with you right now, sometimes it's just an impossible task, humanly speaking. But I thank you that you have given each of them the job that they have, the children that you have placed in their charge, and you have given them your glorious gospel and word to guide them. I pray, Father, that they would see the opportunity of glorifying you in being a godly mom. And really, Lord, a better way of saying that is to continue to see that. I thank you for what I have observed of dedication and love and self-sacrifice in my own family and in the families around me. So, Father, I just pray that as we, as even as a body of believers, support our mothers, I pray, Lord, that they would just know and understand not only the great love that we have for them and the great respect that we have for them, but Lord, the great love that you have for them. You have entrusted young lives into their daily care. And as you have done that, and as they have been faithful to you, Lord, we just pray that they would experience now and in the future the wonderful blessings of the gifts that you've given to them. We pray, Father, you protect them. Protect them from just some of the craziness that's going on in our world today. Protect them from having society or even friends, possibly even family, belittle what they do. We thank you for the quote from Chesterton. But we thank you more for the examples that we see in Scripture. We just ask, Lord, that you, Lord, that you would uphold our mothers. And that they would demonstrate their love for others as you have demonstrated your love for them. And that they would just continue to fall more and more in love with you, our great God and Savior. In Christ's name we pray, amen.